I want to take you to the book of Luke for just a moment. And um, I, I would like to get our thinking from rabbits and eggs and bunnies and uh, Easter dresses and Easter attire. I think there's something much more significant about Easter than just what we've come to uh, embrace. And uh, I, I just, uh, I really believe the first Easter morning was about more than just a few women coming to a tomb and finding it empty and the stone rolled away. I started to preach on Rock and roll in the stone away. That's like rock and roll. Rolling the rock. It's more than just an empty tomb or doubting disciples. It's more than just a historical event. I think because it's become such an historical event, that's why some folk feel impressed to come to church that day. I really don't know why, but around here we celebrate Easter every Sunday. Because if he did not rise from the dead, there's no reason for us to come to church. And if he rose, there's a reason to come every Sunday because he's alive. I'd like to read you something and bring some things to your mind, if you would please. I'd like for you to pray for our, our, some of our teens are going to California tomorrow. And uh, I, I would ask you to pray for those who are taking them, those who are driving, and uh, so forth and so on. So put that in your prayer list, if you would please. Pray for the teens as they go to California. The teens are going to look at the college, uh, college out there. I'd like it, make it possible for our teens to have uh, an opinion, uh, an open mind to where God would like them to go. I think we need to direct our teens in a godly way instead of a secular way. And uh, if they can get a good education in a godly atmosphere, I think it would be a whole lot better and send them off someplace into a dorm full of uh, absolute heathens. And so uh, your church will spend and be spent to try to direct your kids in the way that God would have them to go. And that's what we're going to do. And uh, I trust that you'll be in prayer for them. Verse 1 of Luke 24 the reason I'm wasting so much time, I didn't have time to study this week. So I just, I'm getting old and I've been sleeping a lot. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away 
from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass as they were such much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in the in shining garments. Now that would have been enough to perplex me, I'm sure. That, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Underline this word. I don't know what that is, but I even want to start dancing if somebody don't answer it. Right? I know how it is when mine, I was in a funeral the other day, and I always leave my cell phone in the truck. But I didn't this day. And that thing went off, and I grabbed everything but that phone. I grabbed my pocket knife. If I'd have been toting, I'd have grabbed my gun. I, I found everything but my phone. And when I did find it, everybody in the world knew where it was. I started flipping switches, and my phone has not worked since. So I don't know. Would somebody help me <laughs> reprogram my accident? Would you do that? Don't worry about if your phone goes off, shoot. I probably needed to interrupt it right then. I, I had my thoughts all together. And, and you'd probably left here and said, that old man knows what he's doing. So thank God that that happened, man. He is not here. That's what he said. That's what the angel said. He is not here, but is risen. Remember, would you underline that word? Remember. How he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Josanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believe them not wow over now if you would please to verse 46 and he said unto them thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer to rise from the dead the third day, and the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. 
Verse 51. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Our Father today, Lord, I pray in some supernatural, miraculous way that you would make this service very special, a service of understanding, a service of acceptance, a service that reveals to each of our hearts the reason that Christ came, that Christ died, that Christ was buried, and that Christ arose. And then Christ ascended to the right hand of God the Father. I pray that in your divine plan, we could find a place for each of us today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 7, I'd like for you to look at that for me just please. The Bible says, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. The word in that verse I'd like to emphasize is the word must. The Son of Man must. No way around it. The Son of Man must be delivered into sinful hands and be nailed to a cross and be buried in a borrowed tomb. There is no other way that you and I will ever get to heaven. He must. It was an absolute necessity that Jesus Christ die on a cross, buried in a tomb, and raised by the power of God on the third day. My question to you today is, is all this Easter stuff necessary? Is this about you buying new clothes to tell your wife how much you love her? Which I forgot to do. But she loves me. Is all of this stuff necessary? Why all the rigmarole? Why are you here? Today, the Masters is going on. The Mavericks are not. And the Rangers are not. But there ought to be something that you could do today if this is not really important. Why all this Easter stuff? My Bible says he must. Look over verse 47, would you please, in the same text. In verse 47, the Bible says, for you and I, I think it is verse 47. 
Uh, I missed it one verse, verse 46. The Bible said, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. It behooved Christ. It was absolutely, 100%, absolutely necessary that Jesus Christ die, be buried, and raise again. It is necessary if you please. You remember when Jesus is hanging on the cross in John chapter 19 verse 30. You remember the last words he said. As they hang on the cross before gaping eyes, gaping men, wicked, ungodly, uh, perversion on every side. The last thing Jesus said, it is finished. Then what are we here for? It is finished. Hebrew word is telestai. And that's what he said the day that he died. It is finished. He said, cried out with a loud voice, tell us time. That word is commonly used as a phrase that you and I use. It means paid in full. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross and breathed his last breath, And he declared for all the world, he said, it is finished. I've done what I come to do. Your sin debt is paid in full. It's finished. But Jesus said, I'm not through. It's finished. I have something else to do. It's finished, but I am not done. If all he did was die, everybody does that. What's the big deal about him dying? There's two guys on each side of him done the same thing. They suffered the same cross. They suffered the same agony. They heard the cheers. They heard all. They all died. What's the big deal? He said, it's finished. If that's all he did, you and I are in a world of hurt. If he only died, Everybody's always talking about the cross. In fact, we have made an emblem. We hang it about our neck. That cross that was so ugly and disdained in that day, uh, uh, an element of torture, an element of execution, an element that spoke of criminality, all of that, we've transformed that from an ugly thing to a beautiful thing to hang about our necks, to hang in our homes, even decorate our churches. If that's all there is to it, folk. Paul said, we're still in our sins. Our preaching is vain and our faith is vain. Jesus said, it's finished. 
Now prove it. Romans chapter 1, if you would please in your Bible. Romans chapter 1. What's this Easter stuff all about? What's the reason for us going through all of this? Why we could be playing golf today, fishing, catching catfish or something. Romans chapter number one. I bring your attention, please, to that verse. Let me read just one or two verses. The Bible says this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised to by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now be careful. And declared to be the Son of God. Be careful. With power, according to the spirit of holiness. How? By the resurrection from the dead. It's finished. Prove it. He did three days later when he rose out of the graveyard. When he came out of that grave, he showed all of his all of his uh, uh, adversaries, he showed all of the saints of God, he showed all the world that he was who he said he was. Declared to be the Son of God with power by the Spirit of holiness and by the resurrection from the dead. Notice, if you would please, the spirit of holiness suggests to you and I that Jesus Christ lived a life of victory over the power of sin. You and I cannot do that. You and I have not been able to do that. No one has ever been able to do that. Sin is powerful. It pulls. It tugs. You say, preacher, I, I, I just, I'm not a bad sinner. No, but you are a sinner. You such a sinner, you was probably born bald-headed and naked. And you're probably going out the same way. Toothless, bald-headed, and naked. Ain't that a great thing to look forward to? Is there anybody here? Raised by the spirit of holiness. It talks about Jesus Christ having power over sin. And indeed, his life was perfectly holy. He never looked with lust. He never uttered a hasty, unkind, untrue, or frivolous word. He never entertained an impure thought in all the 33 and a half years. He never accused, never was accused by his own conscience. He never inflamed by wrong passions. He never stepped uh, with the, uh, out of the will of God in his whole life. Can you imagine that? He never had to apologize for anything he did or said in all of his life. 
You said, I've never done that. That's because you're a sinner and proud. He lived on earth approximately 12,000 days. And every one of them was a marvel of holiness. Imagine that. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners. From the summit of the Mount of Transfiguration, our Lord was so holy he could have stepped right off the mountain, right into heaven. I'm telling you, he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. They nailed the sinless, holy Son of God on the cross. A holy sacrifice lived without sin. The expression by the resurrection of the dead in this verse suggests his victory over the penalty of sin. He not only lived above the power of sin, but he also was raised by the spirit of holiness from the resurrection of the dead. He arose from the dead. You listen to me. He arose from the dead. I was reading recently during the time of the French Revolution, a certain captain complained to the general that a new religion that he has, one that he considered be far superior to Christianity, was not being embraced by the soldiers. So the general told him, if you want to secure success for your new religion, I suggest to you, go be nailed on a cross and raised from the dead the third day. Ours is the only one that done that. Because he's the only God. And I just believe he must. It behooved him. He came. To Bethlehem's manger with a cross in view. He was nailed on the cross with the tomb in view. He arose again because the throne of God was in view. God's eternal plan. Are you involved in God's eternal plan? God's eternal plan. The necessity of the cross is revealed in your spiritual condition. He must needs be delivered to the hands of sinful men. It behooved him to die on Calvary's cross. Necessary, our spiritual condition made it necessary do we have any parents here today raise your hand hold them up let them down how many of you has spent at least five minutes teaching your kids how to do what is wrong oh You didn't have to spend any time at all teaching them little boogers how to lie. 
how to be selfish. You take the little suckers next door and the first thing they start saying, my toys. Is there anybody here ever seen anybody that was selfish? You know, we have a class here in church on how to be successfully selfish. Anybody here got the my attitude, my checkbook, my carpet, my kids, my car, your bicycle, (laughs) my dog, my, my, my. Wonder where all that came from. You know, I read one time that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why is it we think everybody but us have sinned? I read one time there's none righteous or right with God. No, not one. You know what this is all about today? It's all about Christ loving you enough to fix your spiritual condition. That's all it's about. It's not about him putting food on your table. It's not about him, you know, working miracles in your life. It's about him dying to pay your sin debt. Telestai paid in full. He must go to Calvary. See, the cross reveals our spiritual condition. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Matthew 20 and verse 28, even so the Son of Man came to give his life a ransom For many, Romans 5 and 6, Christ died for the ungodly. 1 Corinthians 15 and 3, Christ died for our sins. Listen to me. This and these verses points towards some type of payment. Christ's life and Christ's death points toward a payment. A payment that you and I could not pay. He paid it in our place at Calvary. And when he finished paying the price, when he had shed his precious blood, he said for everybody, paid in full. That means, ladies and gentlemen, my failures are not fatal. That means that my death is not final. I can go to the graveyard at a funeral and I can look at the folks and say, this is not the end. This is not the end. This is graduation day to the child of God. Why all this Easter stuff? Well, your spiritual condition Made it necessary. 
Are you listening to me? Your spiritual condition. You're either saved or you're lost. There's no in between. You say, preacher, I don't understand the terms. Well, I think if I was an absolute idiot, I would rather be saved as lost. Lost means you don't know which way it is back to the house. Well, preacher, you get there your way and I'll get there mine. Boy, that's really smart. If you was going to go to heaven today, which direction would you leave? What would you get in to take you there? And your GPS won't work. You get there your way, I'll get there my No, look, I don't have no way. I don't have a way. Jesus said he's the way. Muhammad has not got the way. Buddha is still looking for something else to eat. And Confucius is still confused. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. What's this Easter stuff all about anyway? It's about you. It's about your spiritual condition. And I got good news for you. Your sin debt has been paid in full. That also, it means that our spiritual conception was necessitated by the resurrection. You notice when the ladies told the disciples that Jesus had arisen, you notice their reaction? Uh, Their words seemed to them as idle words. And they believe not. Now, let me, I've got to go because I know the master's is on and I want to watch that. Could I screw the nut just a little tight today? Twelve guys that followed him. Three and a half years. They saw miracles beyond your imagination. They've seen him walk on the water. They've seen him raise the dead, heal the sick. They've seen him multiply food and fishes. They've witnessed everything he's done. More than one time previous to this, he's told them, now I must be delivered to evil men. I must die. I must raise the third day. Over and over, he's told them that. And then when he did it, they said, that is a fairy tale. That is hucky puck. I wonder today. I wonder what we think about it. He can raise the dead. He can heal the sick. And he can't supply our need. little trauma happens in our homes. We got to call somebody. Call the preacher. Hey, I didn't raise the dead. (laughs) But I know somebody did. 
I wonder what our conception or our perception of the resurrection really is. One day a grandfather was wanting to see what the granddaughter really felt about Easter. So he set the little girl on his lap and said, now, Julie, tell me about the Easter story. She said, well, grandfather, it's about Jesus Christ dying on a cross for our sins. And he was buried. And on the third day, came to the tomb and the stone was rolled away and a bunch of soldiers guarding it. And on the third day, he arose from the dead. And granddaddy was so pleased with her and said, darling, that is wonderful. And then she went on to say, when the earthquake happened, the entire town came out to the graveyard and Jesus came out and saw a shadow and they knew there would be six more weeks of winter. Well, I would say she's partly right. But I wonder if maybe our conception of God's plan, maybe, do, maybe God had to raise Jesus from the dead for us to get the right idea concerning what this is all about. You know, I, I don't know, but I read for you some verses now, and I, I'll tell you where they are, but you can find there later if you want to. I'm reading for you out of Romans chapter 4, and I'd just like to, like to do this for you. The Bible says in verse 3, For what saith the Scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. I like that, don't you? Verse 22, and therefore, or verse 20, and he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, imputed means to place to one's account. It means to reckon. It means to impute or to place to one's account. Now watch this. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. And see, my account before I got saved was really open. Full of sin, man. <laughs> Needed to be paid for. I was naturally unrighteous. I was a sinner on my way to hell. But when I got saved, something happened. Now watch, let me show you what happened. Look at your Bible now. Look at your Bible. And for us also to whom it shall be imputed. What? The righteous life of Christ. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus from the dead, 
who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. If you've gone soul winning much, you've probably quoted this verse. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You don't believe in the resurrection, you can't even be saved. You don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, hell is your home, sure as the world. And what happens is when I trust Christ, By faith, God imputes or puts on my account, that account over yonder, that's full of sin and hate and disgust and needs to be paid. When I trust Christ, God takes Christ's righteous life and imputes it and puts it on my account. And when God looks at my account now, he sees Jesus Christ has paid it all, all to him I owe. But now notice, if we believe. You notice that? The resurrection makes mine and your salvation possible. His death did nothing to accomplish justification. God raised him to show acceptance of Christ's sacrifice. You understand that? If Christ had not have raised, God would not have embraced the sacrifice that was sufficient. And by God raising him up again, he justified that sacrifice. And by that sacrifice, you and I are justified before God because God has imputed his righteous life to my sinful life. He has paid my sin debt totally and rose again on the third day to justify that his sacrifice was sufficient. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, our faith is vain, and ye are yet in your Sins. It's more about Easter bunnies. It's more than just some women coming to an empty graveyard. It's more than abundance of spices to take away the stench. It's about somebody coming down here and taking your place and my place and being buried. And God Almighty raised him up the third day to show he's accepted your payment for sin. Delivered for our offenses, but raised for our justification. And when Christ walked out of that graveyard, God says, I'm pleased. It's finished, but he ain't done yet. Our spiritual condition necessitated the cross. Our spiritual conception 
necessitated the resurrection. Now, it's time to go. Dear Lord, they've done kicked off. I probably should have said I got some members ticked off. It's 1210. You need this. I'll close. His, our spiritual condition necessitated the cross. Our spiritual perception or conception of what's going on necessitated the resurrection. Now, this is going to be weird. And you're just going to say this is out, out of sight. But since we pay the bills, I guess I didn't say anything you want to. <laughs> Obama hadn't sent us one dollar to keep the lights on. So I don't have to be politically correct. Our spiritual confessor necessitated the exaltation. Look at verse 51. I'm closing. Verse 51 of the book of of Luke chapter 24. And the Bible said, And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up to heaven. Remember as he spoke with the disciples. The Bible said as he spoke with them a glory cloud came down from heaven. And Jesus stepped on board. And that cloud and Jesus ascended up to heaven. You remember that? Well I wonder what that's all about. Give me two minutes would you? Look at this. Philippians chapter number 2. Turn there, please. Philippians chapter number 2. I could quote some of these verses, but I just think you need to see this. Philippians chapter number 2. And uh, uh, our spiritual confessor. Now, preacher, what is that? A high priest. Someone who goes to God in behalf of the worshiper. Say, preacher, I don't believe in priests. You'll believe in this one. This one hasn't got his pajamas on. This one knows what way to put his collar on. He was tempted in all fashion, such as us, and yet without sin. Well, let's see what happened. Please now look and and take your Bible, because we are a Bible-believing church, are we not? Okay, received up into heaven. Philippians chapter 2, please look at verse number 9. Wherefore our God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I read for you a verse that I found, if you would please, Romans. Uh, I, I, read, I read it the other day. And I want to show it to you. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I want to read it for you today. Uh, Romans chapter 8. And it says this. I want you to find your place there. Romans chapter 8. 
and verse 31. Got your Bible there? Look at this. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Are you one of them all? Delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen, there you go, died, risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession, what's the next two words? For what? Hey, do you ever need a lawyer? You ever need an attorney? You ever need somebody to speak for you, to go in and speak in your stead? That's what Jesus Christ is doing right now. He is your spiritual attorney, seated at the right hand of God. And every time the devil accuses you, and every time somebody says something about you that's not right, Jesus Christ says, now wait just a minute. Gene Wolfenbarger is mine. Look at his account. Imputed righteousness. My life is imputed to him. My payment in full is accounted to him. Stay off of his back. He just a sinner saved by grace. Washed in the blood of the lamb. Don't say anything else about him. I need somebody. And I know some of you, you need somebody. Because every once in a while your flesh gets out of calter. And you do stuff that a Christian ought not to do. And you think things that a Christian ought not to think. And if you could, you'd steal eggs, keep from buying them down at the store. But thank God I've got an attorney by the name of Jesus Christ who's continually going into God making intercession for me. You say, that's not too good. Well, let me give you one better. Hebrews chapter 9. Quickly, and I'm closing. Hebrews chapter 9. You said you said that a while ago. Hebrews chapter 9. Now, please, I want to show you this. You need this. What's this Easter stuff all about? It's about Christ dying for our sins. It's about Christ being raised for our justification. It's about Christ ascending into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. Notice Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Christ, being come and high priest, got that? Of good things to come. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. 
For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. For us. For us. What's this thing of Easter all about? It's about Christ dying for us. What's this thing of Easter all about? It's about Christ raising for us. What's this thing of Easter all about? It's about Christ alive, appearing before God continually. For us. As a high priest. He hears our prayers. As intercessor. He takes them to God the Father. As high priest. He listened to us. As intercessor. God listens to him. For us. Ain't God good. Throw your Easter bunny away. It ain't going to lay no eggs anyhow. (laughs) Put what has been said today in your Easter bonnet. Take it home with you. Think about it. All of this. All of this. Is not for God. It's for you. Just you. For you and you and you. For me. This Easter stuff is not about God. It's about you. And it'll be about you until you accept him. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, he was delivered for your offenses and raised for your justification. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You believe he died? You believe he buried? You believe he arose again? Scripture says you can be saved. Now all you got to do is just ask him. And all of that will be imputed to your account. And when God looks at your account from then on, He sees Christ's righteousness paid in full.